0: Oh, and one last thing. Even though many of you believe that currently the favorite pastime in the oral office is swallow the leader, I did not, I repeat, I did not sleep with that young intern. As a matter of fact, I was up all night! (laughs) Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Be sure to check out The Contrarians on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud, and don't forget about our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter, at JamesAlexMattis, and at Ovnio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Time for the podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the contrarians where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex. Joined here, as always, by my co-host, Julio. Julio, are you prepared for episode number 21?
1: I am so prepared. You have no idea. This is uh, having having an anniversary just kind of renews your energy. It just revitalizes you. Wouldn't you agree?
0: I would agree. And we've taken on a, a political track for this. Did we explain
1: this? No, we haven't. 19? We haven't explained a thing. This is just we are so time displaced that I, I think we kind of need to reboot and just go back to the beginning of uh, our second year. Yes. Okay, so episode 20, which I guess you listened to before this one, mm-hmm. was the Scream episode, which was recorded a long time ago. Yes. So in a way, we kind of started celebrating our anniversary a long time ago. Prematurely. Yes. and now, But now we have a plan. And this thing started with, uh, with my friend and co-host Alex Mattis saying, hey, you know how like, that thing they're talking uh, about on TV all this time, you know, every time you turn the TV on, they're talking about this Politics thing <laughs> what is politics? and from there was born the idea of, of exploring politics over the next few episodes of the contrarians.:
0: from the highs and lows of political filmmaking, so we're on a we have a four episode stretch yes delving four into four political world
1: We're going to explore both extremes of, uh, of political filmmaking we're, we're going deep here mm. we're We're opening with something that's very popular It's uh well. I'll let, the, I'll let the critics tell you first off, and then we'll weigh in. Uh, Scott Weinberg from eFilmCritic.com said, Sorkin starts his West Wing warm-up with a political rom-com. Followed by Fred Topol from About.com who says, a Good romantic comedy, some funny irreverence about the White House, and a well-meaning political message. Our idol, our, our mentor Roger Ebert from Chicago Sound Times says, Great entertainment. No more needs to be said. Great entertainment. Uh, Scott Renshaw from Scott Renshaw Screening Room says, An extremely savvy observation on politics in the media age. And then Mark R. Lee from rec.arts.movies.reviews says, It is a bright, witty, romantic comedy with really good dialogue. But at the same time, it is a statement about politics and about politicians, some who are idealists and some who are opportunists. What do you think?
0: Well, I can't say that I agree with all that. I think the idea here is we're starting kind of low, so we can end on a high note. We're gonna go yes, bad I, good, I, and bad good. I
1: think so. I think that uh, this is this is just a bunch of uh, internet reviewers that got you know bamboozled by uh, political propaganda, as it happens to the American public over and over again.
0: I think the shock of um, Martin Sheen's jet black hair just kind of <laughs> overwashed everything else that they saw. We're here today to discuss the nineteen ninety five um failed oscar bait we can call it the american president as aforementioned written by aaron sorkin and directed by the main proprietor of vanilla paste rob reiner
1: and rob reiner rob vanilla reiner as we'll come to know him uh if we ever do another movie of his
0: so the president of the united states is mike douglas because why not he is named andrew Shepard. we begin the american president with kind of a day in the life look at what Andrew Shepard's life is all about. We meet his cabin, which consists of... We have, like I said, Martin Sheen, who has distractingly jet black hair. Um, Michael J. Fox, who... Would this have been around Spin City time?
1: Maybe. I don't know. He looks the same as like Back to the Future. He does. could have just shot this back-to-back with the Back to the Future trilogy, and you wouldn't know. He's uh, He's so young and, and just full of energy. It's It just makes you feel sorry for him that you know he's being wasted away in this movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the entire cast. I mean, Michael Sheen, you have, like I pointed out to you during the movie, you have the princess from Super Mario Brothers, the movie. She's in it. She's Michael Douglas' uh, personal assistant.
0: And you have the old lady, the caseworker for Mrs. Doubtfire in there, and she's just kind of thrown to the wayside.
1: They just grabbed all the talent they could get for this, and not like the blockbuster that talent. one
0: specific <laughs> niche of like 1992 to 1994 talent.
1: <laughs> they knew exactly where to go. Uh, uh, to, to just get critical appeal. They could not fool the Academy because, as you said, they did not get any nominations, but they got the critics because they, they just populated the cast with... I mean, there's more people. There's like an Ed Benning and uh, uh, David Paymer, you know, the guy that runs the polls. Yeah. There's just, like, a lot of, like, the movie keeps going. In a way, it's almost like our episode uh, about Smoking Aces, where as the movie keeps going, you're like, oh, it's that guy and that guy and that guy, and where does it end? But sadly, unlike Smoking Aces not an a-list it's more of just like a who's that <laughs> well, who's that and then the movie lets them down it's not feel like you will remember them from now on as like oh the american president that was awesome it's like god they were so talented and really they couldn't do any better
0: so this day in the life it seems like to be a particularly good day in the life of president andrew shepard as it's revealed his approval rating is at a staggeringly high 63 uh, percent this is something to celebrate and they dive right into what basically the two main storylines of this film are going to be, um, with that popularity, what they want to do is gun control reform. They're calling it crime control, though. Right, control
1: you want to offend like the, the, the gun nuts. 20 years later and we're still dealing with this <laughs> shit.
0: Uh, the other is with uh, an environmental bill to lower the carbon monoxide that's dispersed into the air. That's running through a company by the name of GDC, the Global Defense Council, headed by Fraser's dad. And
1: again, another one, another hey. who's that? <laughs> but it's not like who's that, as in, like, oh, I've I'm never seen that guy. That. It's, it's more like who's that? I think I know that guy from somewhere. Yeah, and then you spend like, you the know, that's guy. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: The GDC brings in a uh, shark, the uh, the closer, as they call her, Sydney Ellen Wade, played by Annette Benning. Um, her job is that of like the tough lawyer to help close the deals and get everything done but you
1: wouldn't know it from the performance because she is just so so just starstruck from the moment she arrives in washington that really you can has of,
0: like 30 seconds of domineering like uh
1: every now and then it's like they realize that they needed to actually portray her as a strong woman mm-hmm. and then they would give her like a moment of you know being a badass and then they would take it away right away
0: yeah which pretty much happens in her first scene which is um the meat cute I guess we would say, of this film. Now, it is uh, – w- the audience does find out in the opening few minutes that President Andrew Shepard is a widow, a widower, and um, that his wife had passed several years ago due to cancer.
1: Yeah, th- so, you know, theres it- it's almost like they don't trust Michael Douglas to-, to really win the audience's sympathy on its own. So yeah. they just tag on a tragedy so that you know for sure that this single parent – Will will get people behind him. Uh, It's it's kind of, I don't know, overall, the whole thing is pretty tacky on Aaron Sorkin's part and also Rob Reiner for just letting it be. But uh, uh, the way they stack the deck.
0: And it's really weird how it plays out later in the film with him being the widower. It's kind of dehumanizing because it's like, oh, the only reason you won presidency is because everyone felt sorry for you. (laughs)
1: But but you know I mean the movie goes kind of out of its way. I don't think they realize it, but they go out of their way to prove that he's really not presidential material. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he really when he gets he's to Mike the Douglas, crux of it, he's a sexual tyrannosaur. Exactly. Yes. Yes. He he should be out there dating yes <laughs> you know no, he has no 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 time for this when he actually has to make like the tough calls and we'll talk about it later yeah. you know the tough calls they have to, to come with being a president he is not comfortable at all <laughs> he is out of it when he's dating he feels a little more comfortable he's like being a sexual predator, he's okay. But when it comes to leading the most powerful country in the world, at least allegedly, according to this movie, he he just he doesn't he doesn't seem to fit the role.
0: He has a daughter as well. What was her name? Lucy. Lucy, but he calls her Luz,
1: which Luce. is a horrible <laughs> <laughs> nickname to give a teenage girl.
0: She has about three scenes in the film, and she's pretty much there as a plot device.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, yeah. I mean, she's there. To make you like him because oh he's a single parent. Mm-hmm. But also just kind of to, to to be dorkier than him because he's a pretty big dork and and she is there just to make him look even less dorky because, you know, she she gives him advice that it's just, you know, grade school <laughs> level and how to conquer women. But we're jumping ahead of ourselves.
0: Yes. We are at the meat cute of the film where Annette Benning, Sidney Wade, and another lady from uh, just, just shoot, shoot me. me. Just shoot me. They
1: brought everybody for this movie. Hey, are you free Free this weekend? You want to share the White House? Okay, not the real White House, the, yeah. the Michael Douglas White House. But they're there
0: to meet with Martin Sheen and some of the presidential cabinet to discuss this bill, the environmental bill to lower the carbon dioxide in the air. Martin Sheen assures them that you know the president's fully behind it, and then Annette Benning just launches into this diatribe about kind of how weak of a president that Andrew Shepard is.
1: Which, in a way, I mean, she's cutting to the truth of it, but the movie portrays it as like, oh, this is this was a bad thing.
0: That she should have remembered this for the rest of the movie, <laughs> that he's weak-minded. <laughs> but uh, little does she know he's standing right behind her, soaking it all in with a brazen smile on his face.
1: Yeah, it was. it's weird. The movie reveals, and again, I think it's inadvertently, that they reveal how, how fucked up politics are. You're always supposed to be on Michael Douglas's side. mm mm-hmm. He is he is your protagonist, and they paint him as this, like, really cool president, like, really super nice person. He's everybody—everything that they tell you Obama is, yeah. that's Michael Douglas in this movie. Like, he, he's just—he's really nice. He re- is really respectful. He's a decent guy. He feels bad when he accidentally causes the death of— Janitors. Uh, janitors in Iran. But at the same time, he does some really shady things with a smile on his face, and, and you're just supposed to, like, stand by him. And one of those things is that uh, Sydney and Ed Benning's character's agenda— it's actually a good one. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to. She's lobbying. She's fighting for a bill that will reduce carbon emissions for tw- by 20%. Yeah. Which the president has the power to make happen. He tells her that he can't. That that's. But then at the same time, he makes a deal with her that implies that he can if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. That is something that the movie kind of like shrugs off. The fact that he did have the power to do it, and then he kind of doesn't do it, and then he decides to do it later on. And that's something that happens throughout the movie. It's just like this president that constantly sacrifices the good of the nation and the good of the people just for the more short term goal of getting reelected. Because, yeah, this is a reelection year. That's what frames this entire uh, movie.
0: So, after listening to her diatribe, she's obviously mortified and embarrassed. So, the president takes her into the Oval Office. And they go over the bill again and then he kind of asks her out on a date in a very coy manner and she gets downright offended at it and um, just says like, you know, she'll be on top of the bill and just... It's very, very serious at first here.
1: Very serious and quickly undermined by the fact that she goes out the wrong door or she tries to go out the wrong door. Mm-hmm. And it's also worth noting this will probably be the last time that she is taken seriously as a female character yes. in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time she'll put her foot down. Mm-hmm. I mean later on there's like a sort of like a breakup scene, but that's that's quickly undone yeah. later in the movie. But here, yeah, this is the last time you'll see Sydney taking charge of things uh kind of shrugging off his offer to have dinner lunch lunch right because he and said breakfast. He, yeah breakfast he, yeah. he skipped breakfast I don't think it's it's done with malice it's not like a malicious character the Michael Douglas uh, president he's just kind of an idiot mm-hmm. he doesn't realize that when if you're the president and you ask someone out you're putting them on the spot Yeah. You, you, you're not just asking you're kind of like because you're the president you're commanding
0: it's not like one of us asking like a bartender for a number or something like yeah
1: that. then it's like dude you're a customer you know that's, <laughs> not, that's not so if the president is telling you hey do you want to go have lunch that is that is a very you, you shouldn't do that you should know better than this <laughs> but the movie is like oh shucks he just he just doesn't know any better because he's a widower he's been out of he's the game, for the so game long. So long. yeah <laughs> put yourself in ned benning's shoes she's a woman that's struggling to be taken seriously in a new city she just moved here for this job where Fraser's
0: dad.
1: dad who's a hard ass yeah you know she's trying to prove herself and uh and now the This guy, the president, he's just like, you know, trying to be dashing and just trying to be cute. And he proposes her a deal before she gets angry. He's like, listen, I can't do this on my own. But if you get the votes, I guess two-thirds of the votes necessary to pass this bill, this ridiculous Mm -hmm. bill that will never pass, I will get you the other 10. And then she's like, all right, deal. And then he's like, hey, do you want to have breakfast? That is so inappropriate.
0: (laughs) A lot of places would file a sexual harassment case. Exactly.
1: Can you file sexual harassment against a president? We should know by now, but, <laughs> but somehow, I, I just don't know. I think that you can make a big deal out of it and get a book deal, maybe. But
0: So following this, it's later that evening, and President Shepard is playing pool with Martin Sheen, AJ. We come to find out this is kind of like the therapy, therapy for him, and this is where he and Martin Sheen discuss issues afoot. And he's just kind of like a puppy dog, just keeps talking about Sydney. And because she called back to the White House, and he's like, Did you say anything about me? And Martin Sheen, like with his jet black hair and grizzled face, (laughs) is just like, This is a bad idea. Martin Sheen knows
1: what's up. There's a reason why he got elected president later on in the West Wing, the Mm -hmm. TV show. And he (laughs) lasted longer than than Michael Douglas as president. Uh, He can tell. You as a president, you know how like when you apply to a job they have to give you the job description before so you know what you're getting into. Yeah. It's like Michael Douglas didn't get the job description of being a president. Dating is not part of it. You're only gonna be president for like four, eight years stops. So you can put you can put your deck on hold for, for a while, for eight years, yeah. and focus on running the country instead of you know, wondering if this girl thinks that you're cute while you're playing pool. Yeah. But it's like he didn't get the memo and and, and Martin Sheen has to tell him this is not good, <laughs> especially in a re-election year. You you probably shouldn't be chasing a girl. You should be focusing on passing the bills and all this stuff.
0: Like, this isn't Iceland. We, we take our leader seriously here. You can't just break <laughs> a, all these rules. Yes. Segue to Meet Cute number two, which I didn't think it was necessary to have another one, but we surely get one, where Mike Douglas, the president of the United States of America, just calls up this girl to ask her out.
1: Well, he gets her number (laughs) in a very kind of creepy way. He doesn't even know how he got it, but he's just like, hey, can you give me this person's number? So just in case you were wondering, if the president of the United States ever wants to talk a girl that he finds hot, he can do it. Yeah. No question as No, no. Yeah. It's not like he had to run it by Congress or anything. He just got that number and he called straight ahead. It wasn't even her number. It was her sister's number because she didn't have a number. That's right. Her
0: sister played by the girl that Adam Sandler hooks up with an airheads. I
1: was wondering who she was. Yeah. I I knew because everybody's someone in this movie. I knew she had to be someone.
0: So yeah, she's talking to, I believe her boss or one of her bosses who is notorious for doing a good impression of the president. So she mistakes it and thinks it's him calling. And sure enough, it's Mike Douglas. And he's just like, hey, you want to go out? And then she just smarms off at him, thinking it's someone else. And,
1: uh, right. It, it's just like, hey, let's, let's take away some more dignity from this woman <laughs> because right now she's too strong to date the president.
0: Yes. And then he has her hang up and call back the White House. And she's just like, you know, mortified again, been caught with her, her, um, hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, of just embarrassment. And, um, yeah, they haven't done a lot to establish this character as a strong female lead at this point.
1: No, it isn't. You know, Aaron Sorkin is constantly criticized by his treatment of female characters, and mm. it's not like he's doing himself any favors. I understand it was a long time ago, but you can see the seeds of what will become a, a more serious problem as, it, as you know, as you go. Yeah. Because, yeah, Sydney is just, you know, forget the indignation that she had earlier when he asked her in their first meeting, when he asked her if she wanted to have breakfast. When he finally gets around to asking her out here... Uh, because there's this, this important state dinner that's happening. And, the
0: president of France is coming in. Right.
1: And uh, and like the big dork that he is, Michael Douglas was going to go with his cousin, I think. And then the cousin gets sick, so he doesn't have a date anymore. Mm-hmm. So he needs to find a date. And then he thinks it's a great idea to ask this lobbyist that he just met that is actually arguing with him again, you know, about stuff.
0: Again, he doesn't really understand how politics or the political... Right. He's work. just
1: like, what? What <laughs> conflict of interest? No, no. I mean... My dick's not in the office. It's, it's different. So he asks her out to, to, to be his date for the, for the state dinner. And Sydney and Ed Manning just turns into like a giggling schoolgirl. Yeah. And it's like Prince Charming just asks her to the ball. She's just like, <laughs> I would be honored. And you're just like, oh, come on, man. This was not that long ago. If this movie was made in the 50s, I would understand. Yeah. But, but this is like early 2000s, late 90s. 95. 95. Okay, come on. I mean, women had come a long way by then. Yeah. They, they could like stand up to the president and this say... This was
0: after uh, Alien 3, so like we had, exactly. had strong female characters. Yeah, she
1: should have shaved her head and said, you know what, that's your president, but I am not going.
0: <laughs> you know, continuous eye roll at this point, but we do get a point where I kind of perked up, and we get our bad guy in the film, and it's Richard Dreyfus Coming making, back to the contrarians. Making a triumphant return to the contrarians.
1: About 11, 12 episodes later? yes. Time has not been kind to him.
0: It's clear. I wonder what side of the political spectrum that Rob Reiner falls on and Aaron Sorkin because he's the the head of the Republicans, like the guy that they're going to push for president. His name was uh, Bob Rumson. The way, like, he's shot when he comes in and the camera's tilted and everything, it's just brilliant because he's just cast to look like the bad guy. I was surprised he did go dun, dun, dun. The
1: only thing, if this movie was was remade now, he would be wearing a wig just to resemble Trump because he's <laughs> just, like, that much of an asshole in the movie. And it's kind of a shame because you have a great actor that, that is just kind of put to waste here as yeah. a cartoon villain that's just, like...
0: All he does is he reoccurs, like, several times just to remind you he's the bad guy. Yes. He has, yeah, like, a one-liner and then he goes away.
1: Like, just so, you know, I'm running for president. I'm the bad guy. So it's a dinner with the French presidents.
0: Uh, Sydney is President Shepard's date. This is kind of like one of those classic 90s scenes or like, the kind of fish out of water in a really regal setting. And Annette
1: Benning's like, you know, oh, I know French, I can speak to them. We should dance. You could you could intercut this with The Princess Diaries and it would feel like it's the same movie. You could do just like a super cut of this dinner scene with just like the random uh, royal things in The Princess Diaries it would be the same. Yeah, again, you're not doing uh, Annette Benning's character any favors. And in Michael Douglas is just kind of so smug. I think that the general public by now they are they're charmed by him because mm-hmm. the movie's really playing stacking the deck, as I said, to, so that the audience will be charmed by him. But if you take a step back and you just look at him as a president, one he sucks as a president, and two he's kind of creepy. Yeah. So, but now when he just kind of like strides into the room, and he makes a few quips, and then his daughter told him, hey, uh, compliment her shoes. He compliments and uh, compliments Annette Bening's, uh shoes, uh-huh. and he has this smug smile. Every time that he does something right, the camera just gives you a close-up of his face. His face is <laughs> smiling I mean, like, I'm so good. He's, he's just, uh, he's pretty unbearable in this movie. And
0: then we get one of these kind of uh, bottle scenes, kind of similar to what you're saying, smugness and also his knowledge of not knowing how anything, not only now in the political realm, but the real world works, where he just tries to call out an order of flowers for his girlfriend. He can't even figure out how to do that. And it's played off as a scene for comedy where he keeps going back and forth with his assistants and advisors like, what kind of flowers should I get? Da, 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 da. I was just really ready for the scene to be over.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, on one hand, as a taxpayer, it just irks you to just see, even in a fictional realm, to see your tax dollars being wasted on the president. Just Because he literally says, how about you just bill it to the White House? Yeah, It's like, dude, that should be coming out of your pocket. That should not be coming out of the White House. If you want to send flowers to your girlfriend, you just you pay for that yourself. Secondly, it's also irritating because you have, uh, I don't think we've mentioned him yet, Michael J. Fox is in this movie, and he is... He's such a tricky character because yeah. in one way, he's the voice of reason. At the same time, he's kind of like as slimy as everybody else in that room. He's, he
0: really reminded me of, who's the pretty boy on Veep?
1: Dan, Dan Egan.
0: Dan, where he just is like, does everything for his leverage. Right,
1: right, right. He's, he's looking out for himself. At yeah. some point, he even says, like, if this goes wrong, I'm the kind of guy that, I'm the one that ends up in jail. Yeah. So clearly, he has his interest. But at the same time... He is the one out of everybody in that staff. He's the one that will actually raise his voice to Michael Douglas and tell him you're fucking up and yeah. you need to you need to get your head out of your ass. But that automatically puts him in the role of the villain here. So you have Richard Dreyfuss as the main villain, the, like the cartoon villain, and you have Michael Douglas as as the ideological villain which is sad because he really should be the hero in this movie yeah but no he's he's framed as this just brash guy that speaks without thinking and Mm -hmm. that's impulsive and michael douglas is like the cool guy that's like dude listen i'm I'm following my heart
0: (laughs) so noting that sydney had been from virginia what he does in lieu of flowers as he's not able to order them successfully he orders her a giant virginia ham which he has shipped to her office while she's getting like torn apart by Fraser's dad, being like, "You can't date him. Did you sleep with him?" And she's like, "That's none of your business. It is my business." And this is like the most logical scene in the movie because Fraser's dad's just like, "God damn it! I hired you to do this job. I, I don't want to waste my money." And she's like, "I can
1: do what I want, Dad." <laughs> <laughs> that is true. At the same time, it's really uncomfortable because because Fraser's dad ends up kind of like telling her, "Okay, if you're going to do this, then you have to go all the way. You need to stop." just kind of like playing hard to get with the president. If you're actually going to show up in the paper dancing with the president, you need to actually close the deal with the president and yeah. really make things happen. There's no point in just like dating him. You know, you're not in high school. You actually, we're all adults and you have an agenda. So you, you need to use this to your advantage. Well, you know, Frazier's dad is living in the real world and I understand, but it's still, it's still very uncomfortable to hear. Yes. It's, you could even say it's kind of demeaning to women at the same time, you cannot say that – I mean anybody that goes into politics should know this. They should know that it's going to get dirty and ugly. And the fact that Annette Benning likes to you know, just bring out her resume and talk about her accomplishments, that means that she's been doing this for a while. So mm-hmm. this cannot be the first time she's heard something like this. Yeah. It, so again, she's an adult. She should know that this is not a fairy tale. She's not dating the prince, she just went to dinner with the with the president of the United States and something bad's going to happen.
0: Yes. And she gets like super giddy when she reads the card and everything and it's just like so damning of women. <laughs> it was like w- when they sold her in the beginning. It was like, here's Godzilla, but what really came out was, like, the gecko lizard, like...
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. She should have sent that ham back. That's what she should have done. I'm a vegan.
0: We get a fucking awesome scene where the Republicans are meeting, like, the fucking Knights of the Round Table. It's like it's the,
1: some sort of, like, club. Yeah,
0: and it's like the Jedi Council, pretty much. <laughs> and we get just reminded that it's Richard Dreyfuss is a bad guy because they're smoking and, like, drinking whiskey and... Uh,
1: like, this leather couch is, like, decadent. And
0: one of the guys is like, "Well, how are we going to beat Shepard? You know, we can't attack his character." And they all start laughing, like big, like guttural beer gut laughs. <laughs> and he's like, "What did I miss?" And Richard Dreyfuss is like, "You have to excuse him; he's been on vacation." He throws the newspaper down, and we get another awesome one-liner. He says, the "President's got a girlfriend." <laughs>
1: I hope that was in the trailer. I haven't seen the trailer in a long time, but I hope that was, that was part of it. Yeah, this is just, like, clearly the council of, of, of Republican as assholery. It was just, like, there's no shades at all. Like, there's not a single moment. There's, like, five or six people there. There's not a single one that says, guys, maybe this is not moral yeah. you know how about we give you give us one politician that has at least some sort of like gray area morality that could say hey let's talk about the issues let's not talk no no this is just entirely all six of them are automatically completely cool with exploiting the fact that that andrew Shepard has a girlfriend
0: of whom he goes on a second date with in the following scene this is a uh, meatloaf night at the white house he has dinner with sydney and his daughter lucy this segues to President Shepard giving Sydney a tour of the White House. He takes her into what he calls the dish room, which is really called the China Room. And naturally, this leads to their first kiss, which is abruptly ended by one of the Secret Service who says the president is needed. And then Mike Douglas comes back all like bummed and he's like, <laughs> ah, there was like a bombing in Palestine. And it's so ridiculous. It shows you what a shitty president he is because he's like, He's more disappointed that he's like <laughs> get, was wanting to get his rocks off but now fucking he's got to deal with this shit.
1: Again, I could spend every single scene of this movie I could just go back to how inappropriate his behavior is, but because That is really that is so wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about like like home advantage. He brings her to the White House. He's already established in a previous scene, he's talked about how the White House is designed to intimidate your opponent, to to a racial superiority.
0: And he knows where she can take her where she can't get away. Exactly.
1: So he takes her to the China room. He acts like he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Oh, it's the dish room. And he acts like (laughs) but then he moves in for the kill. Yeah. He, he turns into Rocky. Just to go back to, like, one of our early episodes, what is she going to do? You know, he's the president in the White House, and he's moving in for the kill. He's going for a kiss. Yeah. She's not going to do anything. She should actually kind of should be grateful that there was a bombing in Palestine <laughs> <laughs> so that things didn't get any more heated. But, uh, yeah, that is completely unfair. Like you said, it's kind of like a boss-employee relationship. If you're the president of the United States, you're kind of like everybody's boss. If you're an American mm-hmm. citizen, then you're, you go up the chain of command until you get to the president. So if the guy at the top of your chain of command is making a move on you, that is really awkward. You shouldn't yeah. do it. But he does it anyway. And then Benning kisses him. And now, well, now you can't go back from that kiss. And it's
0: like the universe punishes him. It's like, fuck you. Now oh, people oh, are gonna yeah. die. Well,
1: now you're going to see what happens when you cross that line.
0: So we then go to the, the war room, it looks like, where he's just talking to the general of the army and uh, Martin Sheen and his jet black hair there. And... They're discussing what to do in retaliation. I believe it was Libya that bombed them, so they're going to retaliate and bomb their defense headquarters.
1: Yeah, I'll give this to to Aaron Sorkin. He he does know how to set up and pay off things because the Libya, like Libya, bombed some sort of like thing that they were setting up, and mm-hmm. we actually hear about that earlier in the dinner. You know, when she's asking the daughter, these things
0: that could be construed as important plot points are
1: just like thrown
0: at you with complete inconsequentiality yes
1: which is a horrible message to 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 give when you're making a movie about the american president mm-hmm. you know the movie is called the american president but but the portrayal of the american president you get is it somebody it that should been like- mike
0: douglas like a machine gun killing a bunch of like iraqis <laughs> yes all in favor say oh, yeah. die <laughs>
1: But instead, it's just kind of like this guy that's trying to get laid, and then there's like foreign policy happening in the background, and oh. he's just kind of like shrugging it off. He shows up, he signs a few things, he shows mild outrage when things get out of hand, but in, really, the focus of his of his interest here is an adventing.
0: Yeah, so he's like me at twenty one. Right, like if you were one focus, like... you're like, I am
1: a president.
0: I am single. <laughs> I can use this to get women. Yes.
1: How uh, well, let's see, and you just like set up the radar, and then you just I don't know
0: if Annette Benning would have fallen on that scale, but she's pretty cute. She, yeah, but like you have to think this is a world that, like, at that point in time, Liv Tyler was looking pretty good in.
1: Well, yeah, but Lori Petty.
0: <laughs> so, in retaliation, President Shepard says, All right, initiate the bombing, but not before getting like the scene that really humanizes him. He's like, Oh, it's just going to be a bunch of janitors and overnight workers there that were going to get killed. I watched this movie and I hearken back to our days at the theater when movies like The Help and stuff came out, where it was like just a bunch of senior citizens in the theater, dialogue written specifically for that audience. And they're so, like,
1: that's my president. It's yeah.
0: not like Obama. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, you say humanize him. I actually say purify him because he's up till here, I think, up till this scene, you could have argued that Listen, maybe he's a good president when he's not chasing tail. You know, we've only seen him in scenes where he's clearly his goal is to to hook up with Ned Betting. But how about now when we see him in a full-on presidential moment where he has to make the hard choices and he has to yeah. do stuff? And so now we get that chance to see what he's like when he's not trying to hook up he's like oh no what to do and he asks for numbers and then at the very end when he has to make the decision do we bomb this building or not he turns to michael sheen <laughs> he's like what do you think <laughs> okay well that's cool that's a good way of and they
0: catch it. michael sheen putting shoe polish in his hair
1: <laughs> what <laughs> what <laughs> uh, so sheen can we get is, some red bulls in here <laughs> ultimately michael sheen is the one that makes that that call he mm-hmm. tells him listen that's a good idea minimum damage and a like good send a message yada yeah yada. exactly so and then he's like okay let's do it all right well how about you just let michael sheen run the country and yeah. you and you then you get laid
0: a few episodes back with three kings and you know I, as i came across in both sections of that podcast i didn't care much for that film but george clooney's character like the leader you know he's a hound dog just sniffing for tail but when it comes to nut cutting time he's a fucking badass <laughs> so that's like the exact opposite here mike douglas just like eh. So, ridden with guilt or shame or just kind of like, what did I do? We see Annette Benning kind of venting to her roommate, the blonde chick from Airheads.
1: I kissed him. Bah, 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 bah. Uh, <laughs> and um, it's another kind of like desperate attempt of the from the screenwriter and the director at making her a strong woman yeah. woman. You know, she's just like, oh well we need to show that she's just not head over heels. Not yet. Let's let's have her struggle it's with it. It's so her contradictory
0: though to that scene where she got the card and was like super giddy about it and it's just like it is diametrically opposed to that. So President Shepard calls her and she says, Okay, I'm gonna break up with him over the phone. And then it quick cuts to her just showing up at the White House, and she's there to break up with them. And we can't really just pussyfoot around this. It just she goes to break up with them, but ends up having sex with them.
1: Yeah, I mean that is, I've I've listen, you may not believe this, but I have I have female friends, and <laughs> and I've had conversations with her about just like you know we're all adults, so we talk about. ...men and women and all stuff, it's like there are times when you really... ...as a guy or as a girl, you know ahead of time that there's a pretty good chance that you're going to have sex. Mm-hmm. So you get ready for that. And this, this scene proves that she was ready to have sex before she went to the White House. Yeah. So, yes, quotation marks, she went to break up with him and tell him that they couldn't be together anymore... But she also, she knew ahead of time that there was a very likely chance that instead they would end up having sex. Yes. And she was ready for that. Like, the scene proves that. So, as if this character hadn't, like, sold out enough already. And we're not even halfway through the movie, I think.
0: Yeah, well, the worst part is how it comes about because Mike Douglas, like... Intimidates her into having sex with him He's It like, is so
1: horrible yeah. to see Again, this You're is,
0: scared of it
1: Yeah, it's like, are you attracted to me? Yeah. He's like sitting on the couch, his legs
0: spread Big bear skin rug Yeah It's
1: like it's, it's a it's, fucking
0: Old Spice commercial Yeah, you
1: know, if you, as a viewer, you like this movie And you're like, I don't know what these guys are thinking I don't know what they're Okay, imagine that Annette Bening is your daughter And let's see how comfortable you are with the President of the United States Talking to her like that While they're alone in the Oval Office or the Rec Room Or whatever it is, wherever they are
0: so she goes and I think just puts one of his dress shirts on and comes out, which is wonderful movie trope from the 1990s that I think needs to make a return. The female character wearing the button-up shirt of the male character. That covers
1: a- just enough. Yes. It's quite sexy,
0: and I think it should make a return. <laughs> they pulled it off in a Mike Douglas movie, Wall Street 2. Carrie, uh, Jesus, Wall
1: Street 2. Carrie Mulligan <laughs> how, comes how, up. Okay, how how badly out of shape are we that we're referencing Wall Street 2? <laughs> well, that's
0: what I'm saying. It needs to come back. <laughs> Carrie Mulligan rocks the button-up shirt just barely covering. She could rock anything.
1: Okay. I am about to say, that's like, that has nothing to do with the shirt or the style. It's that's just, just Carrie, Carrie Mulligan, Mulligan being awesome. And yeah. then
0: she's saying, New York, New York. and
1: That's shame. That's different. I know.
0: Single tier. We get another shot of Richard Dreyfus where he announces officially his candidacy for President of the United States where – his slogan is the pride is back, which I don't even know if like grammatically that's a correct statement.
1: It's just weird. I mean, obviously, there's not much thought being put into this guy as a villain. It's just like, hey, he doesn't like he Michael either Douglas. has like
0: off the cuff, swarming remarks or he's just shouting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which I mean, to be fair, that is most politicians anyway. Yeah. But but the fact that there is there's no intelligent discourse to be found in this movie which is a shame because it's a movie. It's not a documentary. This should be the arena where you find the actual expression of ideas that you don't find in actual debates on mm-hmm. TV. But instead, this movie is just happy imitating life, which is like just politicians shouting it's at each other. intimidating
0: it, the perceived realm of politics through Aaron Sorkin and Rob Reiner's eyes. Right. Republicans yeah, yeah, yeah. So, bad. Liberals good. Yeah. Which, personally, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But, you know, for the sake of this, come on, be unbiased. So we launch into montage number one of the film, which, if I recall correctly was just how good um, Mike Douglas's life is going and also it's showing how successful that Annette Benning is getting the votes required for her plan.
1: Um, I don't know if we're talking about the same montage because I, I wrote down montage of hell. Uh, That's the second montage. No, no there, okay. Then there's a third one. The two I have are like montage of hell, which is like the media being just horrible about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. We're talking about the same. Okay. It's just you're focusing on the positive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because there is like – yeah, they're showing how good like they're at their job. And, yeah, you know, but no, it's showing, like,
0: the the steady increase of bad things happening to Mike Douglas' presidency while he completely ignores it.
1: Right, yeah. He's cool, and she's getting the votes that she needs. And, uh, and at the same time, America is just being horrible. I, I really – I had to stop and think about it because I'm like – what is this? You know, are we are we really that bad? Is this some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy? Are we this bad because movies are telling us that that's okay to be this bad? Yeah. You know, it's like there's like important shit going on in the world. And yet people are asking about like they're, they're hounding Sydney and admitting outside her apartment and following her and, and trying to figure out the, the particulars of the, the president's affair, which really shouldn't matter to anyone. But it matters to this movie, obviously. Uh-huh. And, it, and the movie... Portrays Americans as being so stupid that they care. Yeah, which in a way I think in reality makes it okay for Americans to care. And they're like, <laughs> oh well, it's like in that movie that makes it okay. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of irresponsible filmmaking, if you ask me.
0: Things go from bad to worse for one Sydney Ellen Wade as a photo of her is discovered by someone in Richard Dreyfus's cabinet or camp that she was once part of a flag burning. With an, it's a a horribly photoshopped picture, but it's uh, followed up by unquestionably the best line of the movie because this falls in the dead of winter. And Richard Dreyfuss looks at the picture and he says, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas.
1: You can see just echoes of the great performer he once was <laughs> just, trying to, <laughs> just trying to get something out of that line in those circumstances. So
0: it just becomes an all-out like free-for-all with Bob Rumson uh, just completely attacking at no stopping it. The character of President Shepard And also of Sidney Wade He accuses her of giving out sexual favors For like signatures to bills in the past
1: Yes, and Michael Douglas just does nothing He's, he's, he's he, more concerned with If the Packers won their football game or not <laughs> Yes, he his whole line The entire time Even though everybody in his staff And now Sydney are telling him You should say something yeah. He's like, I'm not going to give him the time of the day That would just validate his, his, his You know, we're better than this We're going to take the high road He has no idea idea as hinted at by that earlier scene where he had to bomb somebody he actually tact- had to take some action and yeah. you know retaliate he cannot do it on his own he can't retaliate against uh Richard Dreyfus. he's just he does not have it you know what it what you need to be a president he just can't do it mm-hmm. he's just he's okay when it's like all nice and good and everybody's like oh he's such a nice widower and he's such a nice guy and he's a good dancer and whatever but when things get ugly he just he just doesn't want to do it. He goes he shuts down and he goes into denial. He's like, oh, it's just let's just wait it out. Everybody else around him, uh, Michael J. Fox, Martin Sheen, every single person is advising him to at least say something. Yeah, and he's just like, no, nope, I can't. And then you know, as he turns around, he's like, is that my pussy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it's very disappointing. And uh, but the movie touts it as like this big thing.
0: He's not a president that takes action. Kevin James and Pixels, he is not.
1: Well, he's not, and it's like, can you imagine if the Pixels had attacked and Michael Douglas was the president? That was like, we'd be done by we now. Would. We wouldn't be recording this. We'd
0: be space invaders. During all this, uh, Annette Bening actually drops the L bomb and tells President Shepard that she loves him, and his reaction is just kind of like, eh, "I'm the president."
1: It's funny that you had more of a reaction to this <laughs> than he did on screen because <laughs> you actually you felt it. Yeah, as I think that most males would. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, well, Annette Bening just. Kind of casually, but in there, she just said that she loved him. And he was like...
0: He's like, can, well, you, can you move your head? Letterman's on.
1: <laughs> He's like, oh, the Packers. The Packers <laughs> scores are here.
0: So it's Christmas, and it is not a happy one in the White House. Annette Benning just has a rough day and comes in. And basically, from what happened, she was just bitching about the shitty day she had. But from that, Martin Sheen took that there's a way that they could buy out her partners to get their gun control bill passed.
1: Right. If you somehow had missed the hint that politicians are all shit, including Andrew Shepard, he may be a pussy, but he's still a politician. Yeah. So there is Annette Benning who's not quite a politician. She opens up her heart to her boyfriend and her best friend, kind of forgetting that it's the president and the chief of staff, mm-hmm. and just gives them information that will, down the line, allow them to screw her. She never even consider this as an option but martin sheen and michael douglas they on that right away mm-hmm. and uh, that eventually is gonna uh, lead to the the end of the movie
0: and this it does segue into montage number two i guess i had him confused because i thought this one is like this is the absolute decline where it shows how hard, right? Their but lives where it's like,
1: where it's like the first one was about like how horrible the media and the public are. Mm-hmm. This is just straight up how horrible politicians are. So because- the first
0: montage is basically Mike Douglas with his headphones in, listening to "Walking on Sunshine," just fucking walking <laughs> through the barrio. Right. He doesn't
1: care about what's going on, but he's happy. And by this here, this
0: one's he's like starting to realize it. Annette Benning's having a really hard time. Michael J. Fox is just. You know, drinking a lot of diet coke. Apparently, yes. Perfect he Well, they're losing it.
1: votes now because mm-hmm. you know their gun bill, which was the other thing they were uh, driving towards. Like they're losing, they're losing votes there because his character has suffered because his numbers had lowered because of this whole Sydney thing. Mm-hmm. So basically, Richard Dreyfus is winning, and and uh, Michael Douglas is just being a punching bag, yeah. and so it's affecting them, and it shows just. It's just a montage of Richard Dreyfus being horrible on screen, just like saying nasty things about an ad Benning and Michael Douglas kinda like just you know, covering his ears and walking <laughs> around. And meanwhile, and Benning is still doing her job as as the poor, like, pot upon woman that she is. She's still getting things done. Yeah. She's like as the days go by, she's still like ripping up papers and like getting closer and closer to her goal and knowing <laughs> that, that things are gonna get ugly no matter what.
0: So the approval rating for President Shepard has dropped to forty one percent and this is uh once more we get a really good product placement of a diet coke as Michael J. Fox has just an absolute meltdown on the phone. Well he gets two scenes where he gets like some actual screen time. Into, They're
1: like, listen, we have the guy from Back to the Future. Let's let's use him. We have fucking Teen Wolf. We need to
0: use him. <laughs> you
1: got Alex P. Keaton here.
0: So he yells at someone on the phone. He says fuck. Uh, tidbit, this is the only like PG-13 rated movie that says fuck three times.
1: I it. counted them. Yeah, yeah, I was
0: surprised. because The MPAA said that they weren't used in a sexual manner, so it wasn't
1: bad. Uh, and Ed Benning drops one later, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay.
0: Well, Lincoln might have it too, because Lincoln... Well, it's history. Exactly. That's the excuse. <laughs> Fucking horrible violence and swearing. Fuck that movie. Anyway, so they buy out the bill is what happens. Yeah,
1: he he basically, they have... Uh, After
0: a very stern talking to from Michael J. Fox, this is where he just snaps on President Shepard. They
1: have a big, a big moment, which in a normal movie, a good movie, would be the moment where you just like, things get ugly, and then they come out of there. As better people, you would have Michael J. Fox, Michael Douglas, Martin Sheen, just having it out, and then then come out as like, well, now this is how we're gonna lead America to a, a better place. But instead, it's just. Just a lot of like petty outbursts and Michael J. Fox just finally tells him, listen, this is how things are. And then Michael Douglas basically says the American public is stupid. He just literally says they can't tell the difference between sand and water. They'll drink anything. Because Michael uh, Michael J. Fox's point is that the reason that they're listening to Richard Dreyfuss is because he's the only one talking. And he says they just can't tell the difference. That is our hero. Yeah. Our hero just thinks, that, eh, well, you know. America's- I've always
0: thought that Michael Douglas should play Vince McMahon if there's ever a biopic made about him. <laughs> and this scene reflects that. You don't like what you think you like.
1: Yeah, you like what I tell you to like. In case you missed that, that you know, American ideals have hit rock bottom in mm-hmm. this scene. You get like some pretty ominous thunder yeah. after after Michael Douglas declares that Americans are idiots. Well,
0: yeah, Michael J. Fox does a lot of yelling, but all it is is really it's like the Chris Parnell scene from Anchorman, where he's like, "Why? Why would you say that?" <laughs> but then, yeah, Mike Douglas just his moment of evil genius where you realize oh he knows what he's doing he's just lazy as fuck and then he just looks at martin (laughs) sheen and he's like make the deal and so you know we cut to the champagne being uncorked annette benning her camp are celebrating they're on cloud nine and then they find out the deal's been yanked and she's fired
1: it's just kind of like it's a payoff to it's an obvious payoff to everybody except for annette benning we all knew this was coming we all knew that uh, that this was a bad idea from the beginning, and we knew that she was gonna get screwed because she was playing with politicians. Yeah, it's sad to see it happen, but at the same time, well, I'm not gonna say that she deserved it, but she should have known better.
0: Um, so then she comes to the White House. I fucking hated the scene. Uh... It's like out of any other Kate Hudson film I've ever seen, where she's taking all her shit out of the apartment and screaming and yelling. <laughs> it's the fucking White House. Like, <laughs> did she move in? Did well, she leave her uh, diaphragm in the nightstand or something?
1: Well, you know, this is the White House as ran by Michael Douglas. Uh, you know, as ran the by Andy Shepard so, Yeah, so it's just like it's kind of relaxed there. The yeah. protocols have been have been moved aside, and he's just oh, that's the that's the person's girlfriend. Yeah, she. With the way they've written
0: this character, this woman in this film, I'm surprised she wasn't there to collect her like pots and pans and oven mitts <laughs> oh we have it out over the pool table as mike douglas and martin sheen just go at it and basically martin sheen owns them and he's like motherfucker the only reason you're here is because of me <laughs> it's very reminiscent of the common jeremy piven scene from Smoking yes, Aces. yeah
1: yeah it's it comes too late to save the movie uh-huh. and and it also has like almost no consequence i mean it's kind of a cheap way because really what follows this scene is is michael douglas is suddenly becoming a badass, yeah. so to speak, you know, by the standards of this movie. But yeah, it's, it's just this kind of like rush job at, at trying to to fix all the problems that the movie has when it comes to the depiction of the president and everything else. And it boils down to Michael Douglas asking Martin Sheen if, really, as he suspected, the entire movie. The only reason he became a president in the first place, the only reason that he became uh, that he was elected, was because people felt sorry for him. Yeah, and, and Ma- Martin Sheen, he doesn't say yes, but he kind of, he pretty much does. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, I don't know, but uh, that would have been cool. You know, I would have liked to run that, that that campaign if your wife had still been alive."
0: But this is basically the tipping point. There's only like ten minutes left in the film. It's like it feels like a hose that was stood on top of for an hour and forty minutes, and then someone just let go because it's just. All comes rushing at you, because then we have this like montage scene of reflection where it's Mike Douglas walking through the White House with all these different shots of different presidents, and uh, I assume that's what Reiner was hoping was going to be in. The right, uh, uh,
1: never mind that those presidents, as far as I can tell, they were never their presidency was not affected, and I think not even Kennedy, <laughs> you know, by who they were fucking or not fucking. It was just they had bigger problems to deal with. But Mike Douglas has. Richard Dreyfus, and he can barely handle that.
0: Yeah, to be fair, there's a lot to handle with Richard Dreyfus.
1: Uh, well, yeah, but he's not, this is not Richard Dreyfus, you know, circa Jaws. This yeah. is Richard Dreyfus now, where he's just struggling for relevance.
0: So at a press conference the next day, there's just a switch, the flip gets switched in Mike Douglas's brain, and he goes out and just Ethers Richard Dreyfus on the microphone and just takes him to task for everything he said that's wrong. And then he uses the fucking national news as a platform to like <laughs> apologize to his girlfriend <laughs> And it's at this point you really understand he has no differential between personal and professional life.
1: But here's the and saddest. He has no idea the power he has either. Right. But here's the saddest thing, which is also. She runs back to him? Okay. Well, that's the second saddest mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but it's also something that the movie does. Like most things that this movie does right, it does it accidentally. Mm-hmm. It makes a very good point about just Americans. Because, like I told you right after the movie ended, He's getting reelected after that speech. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It has his bills, whatever bills he passes, whatever stances he takes on politics, they don't matter. All all that matters is that he was such a badass on TV. He defended his girlfriend. He 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 fought back against the bully. He was like, "Hey, don't you talk shit about an Ed Benning." That's all it takes. You know he's getting reelected. His numbers are going to be through the roof the next day. And then he says he's going to
0: present both bills to Congress, making the entire plot of the movie pointless.
1: <laughs> right. This entire time, he's been like, oh, we need to compromise. But then at the end, he was just like, no, fuck compromise. I just need to be a badass on TV. So they
0: got to the other side of the traffic accident, and we didn't get to see Jessica Alba in her brawn panties here. So <laughs>
1: that's it, pretty much what happened. Yeah.
0: So cheated. Through and through. And yeah, Sydney comes just running back. She looks like hell, too. She comes back at the end. She's dressed like fucking Dean Ambrose. She's got like a leather jacket on top of a hoodie. And she's like, hey, I was wrong. I love you. I love you. And then it's a happy ending.
1: Yeah, he, Mike Douglas again, close up of his mug smile. It's like, I knew she'd come back. <laughs> <laughs> they always come back. <laughs> the end.
0: What happens? Um, Oh, they go to like the. There's Congress. a new
1: thing, yeah, yeah. There's a new thing that he, she's his date. I mean, now they're they're official. I guess they're Facebook official. He actually manages to finally give her flowers. Yeah, he, that's
0: right. And then I'm a believer. By the monkey starts playing. Yeah,
1: he tells her. No, he doesn't tell her that she has good shoes. I think that's the, the, the final line he delivers. It's like, oh, it turns out I have a rose garden. Yes. He walks off. He drops the mic after that line. She smiles. Everybody's there, thinking, man, this is good. We got another four years of like sweet living off the American <laughs> public. And yeah, and then you know, Rob Reiner and Aaron Sorkin got to push their their liberal agenda a little further in re- this movie.
0: I really wish it, the ending would have somehow involved Richard Dreyfus accidentally stepping onto a giant catapult and getting launched out of Washington D.C. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was uh, overall very, as a romance it doesn't work in this day and age because mm-hmm. you know what women will not put up with that shit these days no not everybody... they also wouldn't
0: put up with a movie like this being released now e- exactly
1: no I'm sorry and not even if you were the president uh, I don't think that you could get away with that kind of stuff now there uh, were
0: strong independent women in films at this time I mean Speed came out the year before
1: that's right yeah. e- you know it's not like I mean Cameron Reeves was not just being cute and then saying yeah, I'm sorry somebody got bombed I need to we need to cut this short
0: yeah and Sandra Bullock was like leading the task in that so I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: Twice she came back later. Oof. <laughs> Jason Patrick. It just seems like a, a mismatch of. Uh, I'm not even gonna say that there's good intentions. I think that there was just like this cool idea of like, hey, how about a president that has to date? Mm-hmm. And then, and then when once they started making the movie, they realized that oh well, you know, being a president it also involves like a lot of politics. Okay, let's just put that in the background.
0: And if we put an agenda on it, we might win some awards.
1: Let's make it. You know, it's like everybody hates guns. You know, I mean, yeah. in movies, yeah, that's cool. Okay, cool. And it's like, hey, the, the environment—that's important, right? Okay, yeah. Let's just like write some numbers, and I don't know. I, I wouldn't even th- say that it's like condescending when it comes to politics. It's just—it's just really dorky, just the it's way paid that, by numbers. Yeah, and it's—it's it's just as dorky as Michael Douglas's character. It's just a movie that's just like, well, isn't this cute? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then obviously everybody's answer is yes, it is because it's at ninety percent. <laughs> All right, we ready for real talk. Let's do some real talk. Excellent.
0: Okay, so, The American President, like you said, 90% on the Rotten Tomatoes, was released on November 17th, 1995, late in the year, like we said, trying to capitalize on that award season. Uh, we pretty much went over all this earlier, directed by Rob Reiner, written by Aaron Sorkin, uh, notorious crack cocaine user, and... <laughs> Back then. Allegedly. Uh, with a... Budget of sixty two million, which was kind of surprising, but I think that was mostly all paychecks. I was
1: gonna say that's like an all star cast. Yeah.
0: Uh, box office return of uh, one hundred and seven million eight hundred seventy nine thousand four hundred ninety six, and four dimes. <laughs> Nearly doubled its budget. Um, my friend, uh, who when he found out we were doing this, texted me that he likes this movie, and he said. It's SAP, but it's very, very well-made SAP, and that's true.
1: Well, a lot of people disagree. Not a lot of people, but about 10% of critics uh, disagree with that. Uh, starting with Jim Berardinelli from Real Views, who says, Neither bad nor unwatchable, the American president is nevertheless the second straight disappointment from director Rob Reiner. I didn't look up to see what his movie for that one was, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I don't know. Chuck O'Leary from Fantastica Daily says, A potentially good adult romance is undone by a preachy left-wing agenda. So we can tell which way this guy leans. Is that from <laughs>
0: weloveguns.com?
1: <laughs> also, the fact that he's like, potentially good adult romance, that just makes it sound yeah. like porn yeah so that's this kind of uh, I don't know Wade Major from Box Office Magazine says essentially a by the numbers Hollywood romance in the dopiest melodramatic tradition isn't dopiest? makes me think of our friend Eddie Straight does Likes. he say dopiest oh he says he says dopey a lot no. and then Susan Rathke from Film.com says when it comes right down to it high office does not guarantee high comedy so um, I have a
0: buddy here on the side Brandon Curtis uh, Provided us with North was the Rob Reiner film that came out before this. Well,
1: well, there we go. Okay. Well, then I haven't seen North, but I heard this pretty fucking terrible. Yeah. The fact that he came back with the American President because mm-hmm. I like this movie. Uh, that's pretty good. I think that that's a good comeback.
0: Yeah, uh, I I enjoyed it, and but I can see where a lot of those people are coming from. The uh, yeah, because they have no heart, obviously. Yeah. No, it's it's a very simple, sappy. But what it intended to be, I'm not surprised at all that it didn't break any awards because it's not anything.
1: I think I don't know who they have been I mean, Don't get me wrong, against. worst
0: movies have won Oscars, but I think
1: right. But you would think I'm not saying like best timing's movie. huge. Yeah. I- I mean, I would think performance-wise and maybe script-wise, you could have gotten like, at least a nomination for Morgan.
0: If this had come out like 99 when the, all the shit with Clinton was going on, God, <laughs> I can't imagine how much money it would have made. And like Mike Douglas would have won Best Actor and everyone's like, that's what we need in the White right.
1: House. Yeah, no. It, this is, but he could have gotten like, a, a, kind of like a nomination for Best Acting, just like a nod. Like, hey, good for you. Michael J. Fox is one. really
0: good. The problem is I don't think he's in it long enough to warrant any kind of recognition. No,
1: he's my favorite part of the movie. And he, I actually think... His his two scenes his his one big scene where he has it out with Mike Douglas mm-hmm. it didn't really hit me until like later on like a, a second or third watch just how good that is uh, I always I mean I watched this movie when it first came out so I was like a much I was much younger but it really it, it, that scene the fact that it ends on such a down note because I used to think that maybe. The first time I watched it, I thought that Michael Douglas was actually speaking words of wisdom to him. Like, that he was he was telling him, like, all the stuff, and then Michael Douglas actually rebutted with something that made sense. And, I mean, I guess it makes sense in a very cynical way, but yeah. it's, it's not supposed to be a high point in the movie, which that's what I thought originally. I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, Michael Douglas seeing the light in a, in a way that I'm not getting. But, no, now I get it. He's just not seeing the light he's just being for his character that's a very that's the the lowest of the low it's kind of smart too um
0: for mike douglas the way that played out Because when he says that, like you as an audience viewer, like, oh, wait, he does know what the fuck he's doing and that's why he's waited so long and now he's going to go out and eviscerate Richard Dreyfus.
1: I think it's kind of risky to have your character be so passive when it comes to the antagonist. Mm -hmm. You you know, he's really just a punching bag for most of the movie. You're just waiting for him to say something and I think the younger you are, the least likely you are to understand – where he's coming from, even if, you, I mean, you can disagree with him, but you can at least see where he's coming from. It's like, okay, he just doesn't want to get involved in like, the, the you know, the name calling and yeah. all the stuff. But, uh, as you're older, you're like, okay, I understand where he's coming from. You know, I think that he should still say something. And I guess the arc of the movie is that he realizes he needs to say something anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, So that's good. I think it's, it's tricky, but he pulls it off because he's actually pretty damn charming in, in in this movie. I found him Mike charming. Douglas? Yeah, Mike Douglas. Yeah, yeah he's,
0: he's Mike Douglas. <laughs> like, I don't know it.
1: What... Well, so, I mean, he could be. He's put into some positions where, as we were joking in the, in the first half, he could come across as really creepy, like yeah. abusing his power as as commander in chief and all that. But, but no, he comes across as very, very. Almost naive and very uh, harmless mm-hmm. uh, when pursuing this woman that he likes. So, so that's good. And and I think the dialogue just just pops the way that that Sorkin, you know, we know him for for that kind of dialogue. Where... There
0: are some moments of good comedy. I, I did really enjoy uh, comedically the scene where they have sex for the first time and she stays the night. And when they wake up in the morning and they're realizing that she's stayed the night, like everyone. Michael J. Fox and Martin Sheen, they keep showing up like,
1: Oh, nothing's wrong. We're just here early. Like Yeah, it's just it's just very matter of fact. They just come in and they're like, Oh yeah, well just now we have to deal with this problem.
0: And also right before they get down to Futson when um Mike Douglas is like, No, I just need you to know that it's been a while and <laughs> the expression most powerful man in the world isn't literal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're all really good. It's really it's such a good cast.
0: Uh I, Annette Benning is a very great actress, but I, I think it's just the way her character was written. I really didn't enjoy her.
1: Uh, I think it gets better the more you watch it. Mm-hmm. There's there's very... I don't think she's a bad portrayal. I, I could see... People going after her for being a weak female character and blah, 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 But no, she does have her moments and we made fun of them. But she actually – I think that's what saves that character. Yeah. She's just – there is nothing wrong with being in love and there's nothing wrong with being smitten by someone. And if that someone happens to be the president, then things get really complicated, mm-hmm. especially if you're working in that environment. So it's, it's
0: – The beginnings felt kind of – I think the problem was the beginning was rushed because – her character came in on reputation and then that reputation immediately diminished and she just turned into like a girl. Right.
1: But I think it's good that the movie from time to time it reminds you that she knows what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. She she constantly calls him out on his bullshit. Uh, from, you know, when he tries to lie to her to lie to her about like, oh, I was on the phone with the dentist and whatever and she knows exactly what she was talking about, uh, uh with uh the Israel prime minister or whatever. She's she's one of the she's never diminished as far as knowledge. She's always mm-hmm. when she's in with, like, his buddies when she's in the White House, she knows what's going on. She's in the loop. She might not know about the protocol, but she knows, politically, she knows what's going on, and she's smart. She tells him a couple of times, she's like, if I was in your staff, this is what you should be doing. This is why yeah. it's wrong. So she's she's a smart female character, and I think to criticize her just because she happens to be in love, it's just like, well, don't what, you don't want her to be human? I mean, people do stupid things when they're in love. And- yes, I can attest to that. <laughs> we all know this. So... So that is that would be like demanding that Michael Douglas also shouldn't do stupid things because he likes her. Yeah, it's just that's just the way it works. This romantic comedy, and you know, she's not. I think if you look at it superficially, you could think that oh well, all she does in the movie is just cater to what he wants and and get pushed around by him. But if you look deeper, no, she actually has her own agenda, and she just happens to be somebody that gets screwed by somebody who has much better resources and a much better vantage point than her. You know, yeah. when she gets screwed by Michael Douglas on that deal is not because she's bad at her job or because she she's an idiot it's just that she trusted someone that she was in a relationship with as you should and then she you know it just backfired on her
0: maybe shouldn't have forgiven him so easily but Then the movie wouldn't have had a happy ending.
1: But, you know, I mean, people make mistakes. I don't know that that would forgive, but... It it would be... Like you said, he goes out on on national TV and... I was about to say,
0: I I don't think we can undersell the power of the president going out and, like, you know... If you or I screwed up with a girl, we wouldn't be able to do that. Right, right. The most we could do is, like, like, hold up an iPod and play fucking... A Facebook post. Call me, maybe. Yeah, a Facebook (laughs)
1: post. Tagging everybody. It's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Fucked up.
0: Instagram videos. I really, really, really did dislike the scene though, where she's like trying to get her shit out of the White House. I don't know.
1: I think that uh, now I enjoy it more than before, having seen like some of those like old uh, screwball comedies, where they're just like kind of silly. And queer, I, I, I think that they they were going for that in this in this movie. You uh-huh. know, there's a lot of the interaction between Ned Benning and, and Michael Douglas is just like, oh well, you know, we're just like, it's just witty repartee, and like, we're, well, serious stuff is happening, and. So that scene kind of plays like that to me too. There's just like, oh, well, she's throwing stuff around, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 good enough. It's not among my favorite parts of the movie. My favorite stuff is really all the Michael J. Fox stuff and uh, uh, not the Richard stuff <laughs> Oh, dude, Richard Dreyfuss is awesome. I mean, he's awesome, but he's not like he he didn't really they didn't give him much to work with. He, it's just he's perfect. It's like I was talking
0: about this movie being an encapsulation of that very weird time of like. Between, like, 92 and 94, he also looks like the bad guy from, like, every Disney movie, <laughs> like, live-action Disney movie. Like, I was just expecting him to be, like, the, bl- the bad guy from Blank Check.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, and yet, it's weird because, you know, like, one of the main issues in the movie, you know, the whole thing with the gun control bill mm-hmm. – that is like it's kind of sad that it's it's been twenty years, and we're still talking about the same stuff, yep. <laughs> it's, like, it, it's
0: and one could argue and be right that it's way worse now than it was twenty years ago
1: i I think I can hear our Republican listeners running away. <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt we have any very <laughs> conservative <laughs> listeners uh no yeah that's I think that works that works that works really well as well as like the the thing with the the votes for the other bill, which Again, I was probably like sixteen or seventeen when I watched this for the first time, so I had no idea what was going on with the bills. Obviously, I didn't even live in the states back then, so the politicking of of all this, of the votes and like what was required and how he double crosses her, mm-hmm. I didn't get the details. I just remember getting the main idea, which was, oh, he just he screwed her over. I yeah. knew that, but I didn't understand. Now I do. I mean, you know, it's, I've seen this movie like ten times, but I think it's it's clever in the way that it sets everything up. I mentioned in the in the first part how. Aaron Sorkin is actually really good at setting things up. Most things in this movie, they don't come out of nowhere. They actually have like a setup mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, whether it is like the thing about the, the the attack that happens from Iran, you know, that setup earlier on when he's talking about the base in Israel, to uh, like smaller things like you know his running joke with the flowers, or or just things like the gun control thing, which runs through the entire movie, and you have uh, Michael J. Fox as a constant reminder of like we're doing this, but it doesn't matter. And nobody takes him seriously until the very end, when he finally acknowledges, "Yeah, this bill doesn't matter." Yeah, and and it's like I told you, I think that as an ending, in the least cynical way, you can say that okay, so he doesn't care about the reelection anymore. He he cares about her, which is which is fine. I don't need I don't need Andrew Shepard to be like the perfect president mm-hmm. if if it means that at least he does right by his girlfriend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in a more cynical take. I think it's it's entirely possible that, like I said, he actually gets reelected just because he, because of that speech. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter anymore that he was going anti-gun and pro, you know, environment. It just he still gets he still gets elected. So either way, it's a happy ending, no matter which way you look at it.
0: It's a lot more lighthearted. Uh, just talking beforehand, Aaron Sorkin wrote Charlie Wilson's War, which I really enjoy. That movie's very cynical, though. Well,
1: that's like years later. He was just. Burnout. Burnout. Off Coke. <laughs> <laughs> off crack. He's just like, I'm not, I can't, I can't put on a happy face anymore, guys.
0: Yeah, but this is very enjoyable. This was actually my first time watching it. I thought I had seen it when we were talking about doing this, but then I realized I hadn't. Mike Douglas is Mike Douglas, man. I, I can't, like, really ever tell you I can decipher one role of his from any others, but he's, he's the fucking man.
1: Oh, well, you haven't seen uh under the Candelabra, I think that's what's called. Like where he plays Liberace.
0: Oh, no, I wanted to. And Matt Damon's his boyfriend. <laughs> yes, that will,
1: that will shake you up. That will, that will make you reassess what you think you know about Michael Douglas.
0: Martin Sheen is excellent. I wasn't kidding. It's like Creed on The Office. His hair is distracting in this. But uh, not anything to deter away from his performance. He's another one. He's just... It, many 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 polished actors in this and it comes across that way.
1: Yeah, it's it's very good and I think it's cool one of the reviews called it like a warm up to the west wing and I haven't seen anywhere near as much of the west wing as I would like to but I mean I can totally see how he had he wrote this he had a good time and he's like I have a lot more to say about the white house and yeah. this would be like a nice uh uh sandlot to play in so I like it. I, I I can't tell you how much. I don't know. that I like it as much as uh, a few good men. If we're mm. talking about Sorkin Reiner collaborations, but it's still it's really good. And I mean, yeah, it's sappy, but there's nothing wrong with being sappy when you pull it off. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, even our uh, going back again, we're just like we keep calling back our earlier episodes. If you go back to It's a Wonderful Life, that is sappy. Yeah. But but it works because they know exactly how to pull it off, and that's the same thing here. I mean, you have like a good cast, you have a good director, you have a good writer. It just it just works.
0: Um, And I could see where there's clearly a political leaning in it where the people who created it, where they're coming from, but it's not anything to deter away from it. And like critics who like harp on that, that, oh, it's agenda heavy. They don't really damn anybody in it.
1: They don't, and if they did, I mean, you know, I'd I'd rather take a movie that that actually takes a position, that takes a stance on, on an issue, than a movie that's just like we're joking. i would with in vanilla, but you know, a movie that's vanilla and it just doesn't take a stance because it'd rather cater to everybody. Yeah, I'm like that's fine. You know, movies are supposed to say something. Mm-hmm. So this is how they feel, and they got a bunch of people together that felt the same that they felt the same way. Go for it, and and if you just can't, if you're so close-minded that you can't watch a movie that that at least explores a different point of view then yeah. well that's your loss not the movies you know unless the movie bombs and then it's the movie's loss <laughs> but uh yeah i have no problem with that i mean of course i am anti-gun and pro-environment so if, yeah, yeah it caters to me but uh it's
0: not enough to uh, i don't know i don't think on the other side of the realm but i don't i don't feel like it's enough to it's not like some fucking bullshit that Michael Moore made or something like that.
1: <laughs> well, Michael Moore makes documentaries, to begin, so that would be like a big issue. True. Yeah, <laughs>
0: but I don't mean like it doesn't punch you in the face with its agenda. But yeah, uh, 90% for what it is, it's fine. It, again, it doesn't surprise me that it didn't like dominate any of the awards or anything like that. Do, do
1: your thing. Do your thing where you make it like a, a letter grade. Uh,
0: Probably like a B, dead in the middle B. Then it'll be <laughs> not a B-plus,
1: not a B-minus. This is Alex Mattis saying, I do not believe in love anymore. <laughs> I, I am too old to love. No. <laughs> I would give it, out of five stars, I would give it a solid four, probably four and a half. I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Mm-hmm. It would be four, but then it's four and a half because Michael J. Fox, this might be the last time I saw it on the big screen. Yeah. Um, and he was amazing. He knocks it out of the park. I. You do uh, need to go out of your way to find that arc
0: he did on Scrubs. Very good.
1: Yeah, and he's like, I know he's in The in the Good Wife now. I mean, he's, it's not like he stopped. He didn't disappear from the world, yeah. but he disappeared from movies. So it was good. That was the main reason I saw this movie. When I first went to see it was because I knew Michael J. Fox. That's the, the one actor. I didn't know Rob Reiner. I didn't know Aaron Sorkin. I, I mean, I knew Michael Douglas, but that was not the big drive. The yeah. big drive was like, oh, wow, Michael J. Fox is in a new movie, and it looks like it's in a big role. So that was pretty awesome to see him there.
0: So yeah, that starts off our political four-parter uh, for episode The Double Deuce for number 22. We will be going back to the same time period, I believe it was either 95 or 96, to a unheralded comedy political classic with Black Sheep.
1: Yes, now, now we're switching roles, and now this is a movie that you have seen, and I haven't.
0: You haven't seen Black Sheep? I have
1: not seen Black Sheep. Black- I don't think I've seen a single Chris Farley movie
0: that is awful
1: i will be educated in the next installment and uh, i'm sure it's amazing because i'm sure it tracks terribly in run tomatoes
0: it does i think it's down in the 20s
1: well you know i'm i'm sure i love it i can't imagine not loving it if it's in the 20s <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's good stuff it'll be good times that'll be episode number 22 Uh, You may have noticed on this episode, we have new intro and outro music. Fuck yeah,
1: because we're starting our second year. We're starting with a bang, new music. We are not dependent on Star Wars anymore. George Lucas has no no reason to come after us.
0: We don't want to pander to this audience coming about like... Here in uh, four months, or Jesus Christ, three months when the new Star Wars comes out. I don't want all these people coming up being like, you're, you, you're right, Alex. Episode three is the best one. Yeah, so.
1: I don't want to deal with that either. No, yeah. that's good. That's good. Let's, let's get out of there before, before it becomes trendy. Uh, so now we have the festive years providing us with our music, and they are awesome. We've actually both seen them live, mm-hmm. though that was like a long time ago. That was before we had a podcast together.
0: That is. The lead singer looks like Adam Cole.
1: Does he? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm calling this. Okay. <laughs> uh, but his, his name is Chris, Chris Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd, like Doc from Back to the Future. I'm sure All he, comes around. I'm sure he hears that a lot, but it's very fitting that we have Marty McFly on our first episode where we use his music. But yeah, our opening song is called, is a song called Last Stand, and our outro is going to be Summer of 1999. And, uh, I've actually used versions of these songs, not these versions, but versions of this song at like, past stuff that i've worked on because i've i've actually known chris for a while uh we used last hand not that's sung here or sung at the beginning but as sang by uh my friend cherry whitten in an episode of the new adventures of baby jesus nice. it was like it was like a montage song nice. where we saw like evil politicians being evil <laughs> you No, know, it was a different montage and then uh Summer of 1999 was uh, in that awesome short film that you were part of. Uh, yes,
0: that I never got a DVD copy of.
1: I am so sorry. I'll get right on that. Do. <laughs> but yeah, FF was, uh, that's the song that they play like in the, in the bar. It's, uh, but he gave us like an acoustic version of that. So anyway, Chris is awesome. He's like, dude, you can use this music. I, all I ask you is to mention the name of the album, which is Don't Let Me Use You by the Festive Years. And you can find them on iTunes, on uh, Bandcamp anywhere or you can email us and i will tell you how to get their music but you can just you can do it yourself
0: <laughs> and that email address is we are the contrarians at gmail.com before we get out of here all of the other stuff uh, we are the contrarians.com you have anything to plug this week
1: i just plugged my friend chris's Chris i know. Is, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you have a couple things i know I'm, I'm i've been so like working so hard these days that i just i have I haven't experienced any new things that I want to plug except for Project Greenlight which will probably be done by the time that we aired this episode. <laughs> so, But Project Greenlight is awesome. If you have HBO Go or HBO Now I guess you can catch up on past episodes.
0: As I told you I saw The Green Inferno and the only people I would tell to go out of their way to pay to watch it are people like myself who went to support Sky Fiera. So if you like her, go do that. You'll be reminded that acting isn't her strong suit and she to stick to music <laughs> but it's still very entertaining. Okay, Uh, if if, if we're super hot, too, if we're
1: doing music, then I will say The Martian might be the best movie I've seen this year so far as far as like how how happy it made me and how uh, just overall satisfaction from the experience. That was it was really good. So And, and I'm pretty sure The Martian will still be playing by the time this airs.
0: I don't know, man. Did you see Unfriended? That's the most fun I've had in a movie theater this uh, year. You need
1: to see The Martian, then we'll talk about Unfriended. There's a reason why the soundtrack is awesome, but you will find out when you watch the movie. There is, It's actually tied into the story. All right.
0: Well, outside of that, check us out on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. SoundCloud, we're on SoundCloud, so check us out there. Um, I believe that will do it. Looks like I have to go see Matt Damon now in The Martians. So.
1: Yes, Matt Damon and a whole bunch. Of, it, it's kind of like this movie mm-hmm. and uh, Smoking Aces. It's just like a buffet of awesome actors <laughs> put together.
0: All right. Well, next time we'll be Black Sheep. We do appreciate you for listening to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time.
1: Best summer of 1999. Back when you my mind told me in the dark.
0: Thank you for listening to The Contrarians. On your way out, be sure to swing over to youtube.com backslash ovniofilms, that's O V N I O films, and check out The New Adventures of Baby Jesus, a web series created and written by The Contrarians' very own Julio Oliveira. Can I point something out? I... <laughs> 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 you keep saying
1: Michael Sheen instead of Martin Sheen? Michael Sheen is like the British guy that played the Prime Minister. I think I don't know, but I mean it's hard to tell.
0: Michael Sheen. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's Martin Sheen. All right, with his Creed hair. With his, with his <laughs> slick, it's it's black fucking polished. distracting, dude. His I, I find his
1: teeth more distracting. Rob Reiner's took copy toner. <laughs> All right.
0: Subway.